I wish I could take you to the home of my friend, Rabbi Barnea. Rabbi Barnea and his family live in a small but nice flat on the third floor of a building in the Jewish quarter of the old city of Jerusalem. To get to Barnea's place, you go down this little side street and wind around a bit, and then it comes out onto a small courtyard. And there's several buildings whose entrances open off that courtyard, but I'm not really interested in the buildings this morning. Because next on the left, just next to the door to Barnea's building, there is a pit in the ground. The pit is the result of an archaeological excavation that came about from a discovery made by accident in the process of digging the foundations for these buildings. In the pit, maybe 25 feet down there, is a wall. But this isn't just a wall. It's a wall, if you know what I mean. The exposed section is about 20 to 23 feet thick, made of, well made of solid stone. And the exposed part that you can see is 80 to 100 feet long. This is the wall of Jerusalem before the destruction by the Babylonians in 587. It was probably this wall that Isaiah was talking about when in chapter 22 of his book, he, he, uh, he says that King Hezekiah had the houses of Jerusalem torn down in order to build up this wall and make it even stronger. I mentioned this wall today because at the beginning of the chapter in which our text for this morning stands, Jeremiah says that when he was imprisoned in the courtyard of the guard, I like to think that's the courtyard where my friend Barnea's house is located, but truth is it probably wasn't. Nevertheless, when Jeremiah was imprisoned in the courtyard of the guard, the word of God came to Jeremiah and commanded him to prophesy against the houses of Jerusalem that were torn down by the kings to build up this wall, this very wall. And so Jeremiah prophesied that God would fill the houses of Jerusalem with the dead bodies of those whom he would strike down in his anger and his wrath. For as God says, I have hidden my face from this city because of all their evil. So whenever I go to Barnea's house, I stop for a while and look at that wall. It's quiet in this courtyard, except for a few children playing off in the distance. There are only a handful of people coming and going, none of them paying particular attention to the wall. Um, if there's any wall people pay attention to in Jerusalem, it's the one that's a few hundred meters to the east, where people gather from around the world to pray at the western wall of the foundation of King Herod's Temple Mount. But I stand here in this quiet courtyard and I close my eyes and I see that day, Tisha B'Av, the ninth day of the month of Av. 
It usually falls in late July or early August in our calendar. Tisha B'Av, when the Babylonians came breaking through the gates and climbing over that very wall to become the instrument of God's judgment and the fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecy. And I can, I can hear the shouts of the men fighting and dying and the screams of the women and the children those children who were just playing right over there a few minutes ago and now they're running and crying after their dead mothers trying to get away until they too are caught and cut down by the merciless Babylonian sword. And I can smell it. The acrid stench of the fire that engulfs this wall and the houses of Jerusalem the unspeakable, sickly sweet odor of roasting flesh. And when it's over, desolation. Desolation everywhere I look. An empty city, ruined houses, scattered bones, and the charred trunks of trees burnt to blackened stumps by the fires of God's judgment on the sins of Jerusalem. Time passes and surprisingly, almost miraculously, from one of these charred and blackened stumps comes a sprout, the smallest green shoot of new life, a sprout that is God's own reminder that the word of judgment that Jeremiah proclaimed and the Babylonians fulfilled so long ago on that Tisha B'Av was not God's last word. Thus says the Lord, in this place of which you say, it is a waste without man or beast, in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem that are desolate without man, or inhabitant or beast, there shall be heard again the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voices of those who sing as they bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as at first, says the Lord. This phrase, restore the fortunes of the land as at first. It really means that God intends to fix things, to make them once again what he always intended them to be. Before the serpent and the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, before the golden calf and Baal Peor, before Bethel and Dan and the high places and the Asherahs, before the sin and the judgment and the death that tears at the fabric of our hopes and haunts the shadows of our nights. I will restore the fortunes of the land as at first, says the Lord but not just for Judah and Jerusalem. Again, thus says the Lord of hosts, 
Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he will execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. But not just Judah and Jerusalem. For the road that led to the Babylonians breaking down the gates and climbing over Barnea's wall began a long time before Jeremiah. It began at the gates of the garden when we were first cast out so long ago. And Judah and Jerusalem are not an island set apart from the rest of the world so that God could somehow fix it for them and leave the rest of the world broken. To restore the fortunes of the land means ultimately undoing the whole mess that we have made of the world and of our lives and putting things back the way that God intended them to be at the start. In those days, when God raises up a branch from the house of David, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell securely, but not just Judah and Jerusalem. For by baptism, you have been grafted into that same branch. God became man in Jesus Christ, the living branch of the house of David, also to restore the fortunes of these tattered lives that we live. And in the life of that branch, you have life. So it shall be said of you, as Jeremiah foretold, in those days you will be saved and you will dwell securely. And this is the name by which you are called. The Lord is your righteousness. B'shem Yeshua Tzimach L'Dawid Yeshua Thecha in the name of Jesus, the branch of David, your Savior. Amen.